0: Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2006 This is Peter talking about Step 10 I'm Peter, I'm an alcoholic Um, My group is uh, Friday nights in Kilda Um I'd just like, first of all, to thank all the, the, the steps groups in Melbourne that are, that are getting this sort of stuff together. I just think it's uh, quite inspiring um, uh, to try to carry this message and, and um, promote the, the solution to alcoholism. And um, Step 10 is, of course, contrary to my personality, like um, all the, the rest of the steps, all the other 11. I don't like to be wrong. Um, if I do an inventory, it's usually of someone else. I was always very good at picking the faults of others. Um, and I could occasionally pick a fault of my own, but it was always that the world and the people in it were, were um, always far more at fault than I was. Um, it always begs the question, why do I work the program? Why do I come to Alcoholics Anonymous? Um, why do I need to, if at all? Um, I got sober on the, the 5th of September 1987, and I haven't had a drink since. I haven't had another drug either, no mild mood altering chemicals as well. So why come? Um, and the answer to that is because I like it. It's not that I need to. It's that I really like Alcoholics Anonymous and I like the people in it. And I love what's been given to me. I am still living awe of the fact that I no longer suffer from the obsession to drink alcohol or take any other drug. Um, because that's all I thought about. I had uh, minor ambitions and they were only minor ambitions. I'm always fascinated by successful people who are alcoholics or drug addicts because um, <laughs> really from about the age of 16, my only ambition was to um, party. And then as I got sicker was to maintain the... Uh, uh, my chemical dependence. I'd even have fantasies about how I was to retire in old age, and <laughs> um, they were very sick. It was usually, you know, what decent disease could I have that wouldn't hurt me too much to have me hooked up to uh, morphine and pethidine drips, for example. <laughs> I never could envisage a life where I would be clean and sober, and they would they were true fantasies that, that I would have. Um, I never thought that I'd be able to, to reach a stage where I'd be um, uh, free. Um, and the reason I work the steps is, and, and there is only one primary reason, there's a lot of reasons now, but the one primary reason is that I know I'm beyond human aid, I found that out, and um, conceded to that fact, and I don't want to drink again. It's not that I want to be a saint, although there's nothing wrong with being saints, and the world sadly needs more saints. It Doesn't need more cool people; it needs more good people. <laughs> but um, I would—that's not the reason. I'm too much of a selfish bastard, basically. But I just don't want to drink. I don't want to take a drug. Um, it's would be there's no attraction for me, but it would be horrific if I did. I found when I come to. The first meeting, 12-step meeting I went to was Narcotics Anonymous and a guy told me um, not to pick up one drug for one day and come to a lunchtime meeting the next day. And that was about 14 hours away and I knew that that was impossible. And I'm afraid to say I I, I still hold that to be true, that that was an impossibility for me, to be able to not um, use a drug or drink alcohol for that period of time. I sort of slunk away from that meeting, rather crestfallen, um, because I couldn't do that. I'd been trying to do that all my life—not pick up one droplet for one day, or one drink for one day, depending on what I was using at the time—and I'd always fail. I could used to, in the days of 10 o'clock closing when I used to live in the bush, I could always get to quarter to ten. Always get to quarter to ten. But when all the little black things out the side of my vision would start to move around it, with even greater ferocity and the the clock would click away you know like one minute would take 10 um I just couldn't stand the way I felt I'd always go to the pub I'd always have to you know I'd always have to get something I never had the strength um or the constitution no matter how great the wish or the desire not to do it I always had to do it um I know a lot of people can can not pick up one drink for one day but I'm constitutionally incapable of doing it and that's the truth Uh, when I went to my first AA meeting um, an old bloke stood up from the, the table and he banged the table and he was saying that any alcoholic can abstain from alcohol for 24 hours and again I was absolutely shattered because I thought I'm lower than the lowest people in the parks because I can't do that I don't know the people in the parks can't do that either um, I was so weak and I, I've, like it 's not that I lack willpower i 've got an amazing will, but again, consequences um, no matter how I felt, no matter how great the, the wish the will or the desire was, I would always have to drink or take a drug if i wasn 't drinking, uh, but which is the only way I could maintain any form of sobriety, which was to take drugs, and that 's only technicality isn't it mm. So I was a really desperate human being when I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, the only way that I got sober was by going to a, a detox, and in that detox, I recognized that I was going to drink again, whether I wanted to, and that there wasn't one damn thing that I could do about it, and I desperately didn't want to do it. In other words, I guess I admitted that I was powerless over alcohol. And that my life had become unmanageable. I knew that in that that position of sobriety or so called abstinence, that I would not be able to stand me as me for any given period of time, and that day would come again when I'd drink again. And I didn't want to. And I admitted it and fully conceded that to my innermost self. And I think the most important thing was, as I've read somewhere else, that that it was um, without struggle or resentment. I admitted defeat. And lo and behold, the perversity of all this stuff is that I lost the obsession to drink as a result of conceding defeat. And for the first time in my life, I got true hope, which the theologians tell me is the manifestation of God, as opposed to my bullshit optimism, which was um, my plans. You know, When I get out of this place, I'm going to when I get out of this place, I'm going to do this. When I get out of this place, I'm going to do that. Um, This time I had no plans and I conceded. Um, And I think it was only because I heard about the disease concept straight out of the book um, that was what was wrong with me. I remember the line, these men were not drinking to escape, they were drinking to overcome a craving that was beyond their mental control. And that explained my whole life. That was my whole life in that line. But the reason that I did what I did, day after day, week after week, year after year, was that I had a physical craving that was beyond the control of my mind. Uh, The unfortunate thing about that is that if it was just a matter of me not drinking, I certainly wouldn't work the steps and I certainly wouldn't be bothering you good people. And I would certainly rather live a sort of a a grungy, grotty half-life being dependent only on myself and a really good life dependent upon God <laughs> I'm serious <laughs> um, the reason that I bother God and the reason that, that, that um, I work this program is, is basically not to go back to that state so after all that crap getting to where, where I'm trying to get to which is to step 10 um I lost the obsession to drink and I came to meetings and I said to people that I didn't pick up the first drink but that was a lie, it's just that I'd lost the obsession. So I went about my life, Um, all was well for for a time. Life started getting really hard, I had um, one child, another one was on the way, I was running a union, Um, my wife was an illegal immigrant so we only had one income, it was a shit income, Life was hard. I became irritable, and discontented, as they say. Um, in other words, the unmanageability of life returned. The obsession to drink did not come back, but the obsession to blow my head off did. Uh, which is the first time in my life. Amazing. When I was drinking, there was no problem. I was never suicidal because I had a solution to life. It was always another drink. Um, being clean and sober um, I don't know I guess I probably wouldn't have blown my head off but I would have had to drink again I, I come to that realisation that it was coming and that there was nothing that I would be able to do that my force of will and no matter how much I didn't want to drink I would drink again and I got a sponsor well, actually my wife got a sponsor because she was three years sober and she couldn't take a cake because she was crying because all she wanted to do was drink. She was just as mad as I was. A friend of hers took her through the steps, straight through the book, and she became a different person, which alarmed me. It pleased me, but it alarmed me. The whole power dynamic shifted, and, um, I don't know, she just didn't seem to think my will was as good as it was once before. (laughs) And I seem to have lost a great deal of influence which for somebody who was bitter and twisted and very frustrated with life um, um, really threw me. But it inspired me. I was actually, I I was an anti-God person at the time. I would like to say that I was an atheist, but I really was a God-hater. I just didn't like the way that the universe was going. It didn't suit me. Um, So it was very convenient for me to hate God or to pretend God didn't exist. Um, I don't know if anybody you've heard of those Americans, Gemma Charlie well, she had some tapes of as part of her uh, whatever she was doing with her sponsor. she had these tapes and I listened to them for the first time in my life I, I don't know what I was doing at meetings just being too busy, being bitter and twisted to listen but um, for the first time in my life um, the program made sense uh, I didn't want to go to her sponsor because I didn't like him but um, so I decided to go to, to his sponsor and unfortunately he was in Adelaide so I rang this guy up. I got his number, rang him up. And, and very militant and bitter and twisted, I asked him, I need to do something. And he said, well, what are you prepared to do, you know, in that sort of, you know that, you know, that challenging sponsor way? And I swore at him and told him I was prepared to get on a plane that evening and come and see him. And he said, OK, come. And so I did. And I went to Adelaide and he took me through the steps. And what he taught me was um, just straight at the book. He just took me straight through the book. And I've never been the same since. That was um, over 15 years ago. Not only have I not had um, a desire to to drink or blow my head off since, but I've never been in a state of despair. Distressed several times, very distressed, but never despair. I've never lost a sense of hope. what he taught me with step 10 he taught me the principles of step 4 uh, well he, I did step 4 with him in step 5 6 and 7 made a list for 8 and I had the willingness to do 9 and he showed me in the book that basically step 10 was those principles on a daily basis that the first 9 steps were to clear up the wreckage of the past and that to maintain this new order or this relationship with God which is what I got as a result of um, working the steps as um even though I was an atheist and didn't believe. Um, He said that I'd have to continue to do this or that I would get back all that I I had showed him. That was a very extensive and bitter and twisted inventory. He said I'd get it all back with interest. (laughs) He thought he didn't continue to do that because that the first nine steps did not change the way that I'd always thought, that it always caused my dissatisfaction with life or my uncomfortability with life or my anxiety or my hatred. All my um, self loathing and recrimination and, and regret, you know, that that thinking had not changed. It had just been the, the ramifications of it had been cleared up. And that I had to practice this new way of living if I was to change the way I was thinking and, and have a, an easier life. And I guess that's what's occurred. And, and the, the main principle, I guess, to change my thinking was. Um, step 10, which was just to continue to take that personal inventory, which I did in step four on a daily basis or a weekly basis or whenever it occurred, or a yearly basis, it doesn't matter, just to take inventory. I was pretty ruthless and rigorous at first because I was still under a lot of pressure at work and was being attacked personally, so I had this oversensitive pride, and instead of going into attack mode... I would bow my head and um, acknowledge that I was wrong, which sounds strange. But what I'd be filled with when I was attacked personally at work was I'd be filled with a, a sense of indignation and rage. And I was told that, that I was responsible for, for the way that I felt. That people may be wrong, but the resentment was mine. And that it was my thinking that was at fault that would we, create these states. And so I'd, instead of reacting as I always normal did, which was to go into attack, I'd bow my head in defeat and go, oh, just take this away, God. In other words, I didn't care about the outcome anymore. I was sick and tired of living the life that I'd always lived. And that's always been um, my motivator, is, is when I'm sick and tired of being the way I am, when I'm sick of myself, I'm ready for change. And so I'd continue to take personal imagery and ask God to remove... negative feeling manifestations of self there was a line that I was shown in the fourth step in regards to fear and it said when fear arises um, basically ask God to remove the fear and ask him what he would want of me and that's really how I work step 10 as I walk through my life on a daily basis I haven't got the time to write down inventories all the time but I have I can certainly acknowledge um, truthfully to myself my internal state I guess that's the principle of step 10 that I I practice the most. Just to accept if if I'm angry with somebody, if my pride's hurt, if I'm fearful, to acknowledge that that is the truth and that I am wrong. And I'm not talking about the event, I'm talking about the emotive state. For example, if a man punches me in the face as I'm walking down the street or mugs me and I've, I've done nothing wrong, If I'm still hating him a week or two weeks later, it's got nothing to do with him. It's my mental demands upon history that it change. It shouldn't have happened to me. Well, it did. Now, am I to live in a bitter and twisted manner because the universe didn't follow my plan, or am I to accept the way the universe is going? And that's what Step 10 has allowed me to do, to admit defeat to my own... Mental demands upon reality, so I can just go oh, just take it away god i don 't care. in other words, I care more about myself today than being right or about how I appear so I just ask God to remove those i guess negative manifestations, and it 's fantastic. all sorts of strange things happen that 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 can 't be planned. you know people have the issues well <laughs> Things get taken away from me as a result of step not just step 10s, 10, 10, 11, and 12, I guess, on a daily basis, but, or on an occasional basis, more like it. Um, I used to be that very, very sensitive to criticism. And as a result of always bowing my head and going, oh, you know, I'm hurt. So I'd get criticised, and instead of getting angry and, and having to go, or, or staying angry and having to go at somebody, I'd realise that I was hurt. You know, I'd bare my head. God, I'm just hurt. You know, take this away, take this away, and, and truthfully acknowledge that I was hurt, instead of just launching into an attack on people. I've nearly become, well, when I'm travelling well. I'm nearly bulletproof to criticism. You know, you know when you hear people say, I don't give a shit, and you know it means that they really, really do, <laughs> but they're trying to steel themselves against criticism. It's really strange, but look, I've been publicly insulted, you know, in, in front of good-looking women and all, and I've laughed. Like, that usually requires you to take a sword to the person, you know, to, 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 to at least to defend your honour. And, and, and I've thought about it later, and I've gone, like, God my God how come what has happened I haven't worked on anything here what has happened why didn't I care anymore why wasn't I the oversensitive weak man that I'd always been where had the strength come from Um, that wasn't something that I worked on it's just I'm sure as a result of of just giving these things up to God and allowing God in or allow God to do for me what I've never, ever been able to do for myself. Um, I have two minutes remaining, so now to the the wrap-up and try to sound good in the wrap-up, which never, ever works. (laughs) Um, This is a fantastic thing. The reason that I I am clean and sober is not that I have had... I was particularly sick. I know a lot of people can resist... Do you know what I mean? And I'm not not saying that that's, that's a bad thing, but I've never ever had the ability. And I'm sure that if I had the mental obsession, that I would return to the like a dog to its vomit. Um, the reason that I am um, sober for all these years, um, which is fantastic, is merely effect. The cause is that because of this program, or that not it's not the program, it's the power that I found in this program. I have not had the thought to drink. What the, what's 18 years and I haven't thought about drinking when that's all i thought about where's what's going on here what's going on here it's had, in other words it's had nothing to do with me It's what's happened to me I'm just blessed and I know anybody can be blessed it's not like um, I'm more blessed than the, the bum in the park you know it's just that at, that at a certain time I accepted I guess my condition and and, and then at another time, um, accepted the solution to that condition, and step ten's part of that, you know, to continue to do it. I'll just just finish. There was there was a guy I knew who continually relapsed. Took him through the steps. I took him through the steps, and, and we couldn't could never work out. He just kept relapsing all the time. And he had uh, a physical condition that exacerbated um, anxiety, and he had this he'd shake. All the time. He had this chronic anxiety. I told him about what I did about my oversensitiveness, uh, about criticism and how I continually surrendered to him. And I suggested that maybe he declare war on anxiety in regards to a 10th step. If he had to give up his anxiety to God a thousand times a day, so be it. Within, I'm not kidding, within three weeks, not only had that man not drunk... You see him now and he's just self-confident. And his body doesn't shake. He has a physical condition. I can't remember what it is, but it no longer shakes. Work that out. That's amazing. The spiritual seemed to overcome the physical. That man stays sober. He just celebrated a year, which is just amazing. He'd been around for years. He'd never been able to overcome this anxiety and was nearly that close to going on medication for it. And, And he doesn't have to. Information about the annual Melbourne Alcoholics Anonymous Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.